Yo, welcome back to another podcast of Before, During and After. Um, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Goosey Sports. Goosey Sports is a teamwear brand that supplies both on and off the field apparel for all sports. Now, today I am joined by Paddy Ryan. Paddy Ryan, Tamworth-born, 100 caps for the Waratahs, two for the Wallabies with stints in America and now the big leagues in Japan. Firstly, mate, as I say to everyone, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for squeezing me. I know, uh, I know you've been uh, you've been pretty busy as well, getting ready for everything coming up in your life. So, it must be a pretty exciting time. Yes, mate. Um, been a little bit busy at the moment. Goosey Sports is um, yeah, pretty busy. Obviously, with rugby and football season coming up. And yeah, um, the wedding as well, getting married next week. So yeah, busy, but I'm always making time for my my listeners on the the worldwide podcast of before, during, and after. Yeah, head back to Japan next week. So um, get over there for the famous or infamous Japanese preseason, heading into uh, what's going to be a new league over there. They're rebranding um, rebranding the top league. It's now called uh, Japan Rugby League One. Um, and there's a few other divisions there as well, which I'll be part of. So, yeah, uh, mate, looking forward to it. I've been back in Australia for maybe three or four months um, after the MLR, the end of the MLR last year. And it's great to get back, but the route, it's great to be back home and to, you know, be with family and loved ones and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to a bit of routine. It'll be good to get back and see the boys in Japan as well. So. Yeah. So what... Um... Two things there. What club are you playing for in Japan? And I've heard some uh, mad stories about Japan pre-seasons. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty hard, eh? Yeah, yeah. I think that's... Uh, well, firstly, I'm at Munakata Senex Blues. So we're a little... Uh, we're a relatively small company compared to some of the big names that you hear coming out of Japan. Um, so Senex is a uh, solar panel company um, based out of... Uh, Fukuoka down in, on the island of Kyushu. So that's the, kind of like the four islands there. The four main islands of Japan were on the bottom one, uh, the most southern one. Um, and yeah, I mean, with the Japanese preseason, I think there's still a little bit of that you hear about at some clubs. If you've got Japanese trainers and people that are people that kind of like to work the boys quite hard, I've, I've heard they can be quite difficult. We're very fortunate where we are. We've got a bloke called Adam Keane, who worked with the Japanese national team, still does, um, but worked with them uh, before the World Cup in 2019, where they obviously performed. Yeah. For all those who followed it, they performed really well because and a lot of that was down to their fitness and their fitness training. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Adam's pre-seasons aren't easy, but... They're not, uh, they're run, not run, to, run till he dies sort of thing. Yeah. They've yeah, got a bit of science behind them and, yeah. There is, yeah, there is. And, and and he can be, yeah, he's, if, uh, yeah, now that I've been with him a few years, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't give me too much of a hard time as an older guy. Um, but, mate, you hear these stories coming out of, uh, coming out of university and stuff of blokes just, um, you know, blokes doing like sort of one or two Ks around the track, around the footy field, um, just to warm up and everyone does them. doesn't matter if you're a prop or a winger or whatever you just do them like one or two k's to clock up before the session even starts for fitness and so that's kind of at the university level and uh, 
Man, it's just wild. It's just yeah. wild to think in an age where we we spend so much time working on our loading and we use these GPSs and everything. You go out somewhere and just bang out one or two Ks on a hard track. So yeah. anyway, that's well, how they do it at some places over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously the, the game's growing massively over there, mate. Like, what, what's it like um, in and around the comps now? Is this your second stint out there, right? Eh? Well, it's kind of been one. It's kind of been one stint that I've tried to squeeze in, um, squeezing con- uh, sort of opportunities in the MLR. So I've been there since 2018 when I finished up at the Tars. Um, and yeah, there's no doubt that Japan's growing. Um, the like, uh, um, you know, the rugby there's it's really big and uh, they're just such a big, like in terms of it's like in terms of how many people are there and the population and the economy and stuff, it's just, it's just huge. You know, it's, it's, uh, and so there's so much opportunity there for rugby from a commercial standpoint and also from, um, from an opportunity to grow the game numbers wise. And I think um, they're doing, they're doing a really good job off the back of the, off the back of the World Cup, I think their performance last weekend against Australia, considering those guys haven't played since together since the World Cup, um, I think we're going to see them continue to continue to grow. You know, they're a bit rusty early and they had a bit of trouble tackling some of the big Aussie boys, um, <laughs> but they really pegged it back, and that that's kind of their style, that's kind of their DNA is that that fit fast footy, and they've got a couple of exceptional coaches there, guys like Jamie Joseph and. Uh, yeah. and Tony Brown. So I think they're going to keep going strength to strength. Yeah, and I think with the comp as well, obviously going from strength to strength, and obviously with like, you know, a couple of boys, I know there's a couple of Aussie boys that left at 120s and now they've kind of qualified and stuff. So they'll get the few extra qualified boys. They'll, they'll just yeah, keep pushing them, I think. it's um Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, they're sad. Those guys, I mean, yeah, seeing guys like, yeah, Dylan Riley and Jack Cornelson and... uh Who's the other one? Ben Gunter, you know, like yeah. they're all guys that, you know, they're all very, very capable of playing super rugby. And uh, Jimmy Moore, who packed in the second row for Japan last year, was at Senex with me. Um, you know, and it's it's not just Aussies that are going there. That's yeah, kind yeah. of the way we can hear it here. Uh, there's a guy that would have played if he didn't have a uh, didn't have a dicky knee at the moment called Mark Abbott, who played at the Hurricanes and then came over and played at. Coca-Cola and Senex and now is at Panasonic. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot. And it, it kind of fits in really well for a lot of those bikes because it's one, it's one plane ride home, you know, like you're not, you're not in, uh, in France or in the UK, which, uh, you know, which is sort of 24 hour flight. Like if you really needed to, you can shoot, you can shoot home for a couple of days from Japan, you know, it might, yeah. you might be What's tired the afterwards, but. It's about 11 hours to Tokyo, so it depends where you got to go from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is does feel a lot closer to home than some of those other places. So that's, I think that's, oh, yeah. that, that's the, a big attraction for a lot of guys. 11 hours is, is 11 hours, but like you said, it's 24 hour, 24 hour flight plus stoppages to get to the UK and France and everywhere else. So yeah, you can do it in a day. Yeah. So you can, and you've got those red eyes, and there's not many people on the flights at the moment, so it's pretty easy. Even if you book, uh, if you book cattle class, you can really spread out at the back there and uh, get a bit of shut eye, and wake up, and you're either in Australia or Japan. So, yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, it's you know, it's, that's why a lot of guys end up there. I think one of the reasons. The other reason is a lot of opportunity. There's also a lot of opportunity to, you know, cash in on what 
the Japanese clubs think you're worth, and that's a big yeah. part of it for a lot of those guys as well. Some big money. Obviously, there's a couple of leagues now, you said. Like, so the top league, obviously, where all the big boys play at, and then they just filter down. Is it a lot more Japanese boys push it in the lower leagues, pushing up, trying to get those big contracts? Or you get a couple of battlers from the UK, that sort of stuff in there as well? Or Yeah, I mean, you get battlers from everywhere. Yeah. Japan, Australia. Um, you've got one from Tamworth right here, you know. You've got all over. It's... Uh... Yeah, there could be eight divisions out there. I wouldn't get a run. <laughs> hey, mate, you never know. You never know. There, uh, that's one. That's one thing that I found quite interesting is when I first got over there in 2018. I don't know. I mean, I probably wasn't looking around. I probably had the, uh, you know, I probably wasn't paying as much attention to other teams. But it feels like there's certainly a lot more guys from the UK going out. I mean, we had the rumours about Fred uh, Russell. <laughs> going to NEC with Checker, um, kind of circling around. And then you've got guys like, uh, I think it's Tom Savage or something Savage at uh, at Suntory now. So like those big teams are looking into places like the UK. Andy Good yeah. played at NEC this year. Um, Did he? So like, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, was it? Yeah, it probably it was. was yeah, yeah. No, it would be him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was him. Yeah. So there was a, there was a ten who played for NEC who's a UK legend. I thought it was anyway. Yeah, it would be yeah, Andy so, Good, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you've got like the you've got those guys coming in. It's not it's not kind of something rare and weird that James Haskell's doing like when he went to Rico in two thousand twelve yeah. or thirteen or whatever it is. It's not it's not like that anymore. You've got the guys from the UK coming over. Now part of that would be the Eddie Jones connection to Suntory, I'm sure that played a role in Savage going there, but I think it's becoming an option for those guys as well. Who was the other one? Who was... Um, yeah, there was another guy from Leicester. I can't remember his name, but he was at... He played second year last year at Shockey, Toyota Shockey. So, yeah, yeah that's the thing, you know, what, like you got those guys. What's, what's um like the second division like? Is it, is it like shoot shield standard or... Matt, I haven't played in it. We uh I've played, yeah, I haven't played yet. So yeah, we're, yeah, we're I, down. I know you're in the down. top league, yeah, yeah. Well, we're actually we've gone down now, but uh yeah, I'm not sure. You, you tend to get more Japanese guys, and this is the interesting thing. This is the the kind of hurdle that I think the Japanese or the JRFU are gonna have to overcome with this competition, because it certainly was a big one in the last. So what happens what happens is Japanese you know, big generalization, but as a race, they're very proud people and they like to be associated with those big companies. So what you'll have is teams like, uh, there's sort of four or five big companies. So you've got Toyota Bird Blitz, which is where Hoops was um, for last season. Then you've got Kobe, which uh, have been really successful recently where Dan Carter was. And they've got a bunch of guys there at the moment. You've got Suntory, Panasonic, and Kubota kind of fits in there as well, which is where Bernard Foley is. Yeah. And you've kind of got these, these kind of big five, uh, five or six teams, Yamaha as well. And a lot of the players would go to those companies because of their success. But then you might end up with two or three guys who play seven that are really good quality sevens. You can only pick one of them on the weekend. Mm. Um, and so what will happen is you'll end up with these, you know, two or three, this backlog of awesome talent coming out of university, ending up at the big companies. And so they'll have one of the best and then another one of the best in that same team, not getting regular game time. Um, and so that's the decision that these Japanese boys now have to make now that more and more of them are turning professional. Yeah, yeah. They have to decide whether they want to be playing games 
or uh, or, or a big company. Or, yeah, or linked with the big names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess going on on Japanese rugby at the moment. What what do you think of the situation with the um, the Wallaby boys having to pull out for the tour? Do you know? Like I don't, I I don't know too much about it. I just hear it's their contracts, and they've kind of got to go back to their clubs. Yeah, I mean that's another interesting one, isn't it? Right, like it's <laughs> it's uh, it's tough, and it'd be tough for those boys as well because they'd want to be playing for their country. And there is that there is technically an international window there, but with the way, well, there's a few factors at play. One, those Japanese clubs have allowed those guys to be away for extended periods because of uh, because they've had to train, so, you know, like it's not like Samu and Quaid have just come back for that one for those for those weeks outside of um, you know like for those weeks of the international windows. They've come out and trained and spent extended extended periods of time with the Australia, with the Australians preparing for the rugby championship. Um, so from the Japanese perspective, they've kind of given given yeah. Australia a little bit of a you know like a little bit of love there. And then now, do they want him to go on that tour? Well, maybe it's not fitting in. Well, it's clearly not fitting in with uh, with the club's preparation coming into the top league one. So, um, so yeah, so I can I can see both sides of it. From I, I mean, I, I feel for, I feel for the guys because the pressure that would be coming from the club would be immense. I know what the Japanese can be like, um, and you know they'd be they'd be they'd be feeling that. And I also think that it's. Although it's really disappointing because the Wallabies have been going so well and it's oh. been so yeah. good to watch them win five on the bounce. Yeah, they just changed. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. I think having Quaid and Quaid and uh, and Samu there made a really big difference. And I mean, Sean had a little role, but hopefully that's more going forward because the bloke's you know he's an absolute weapon. And oh. I think to see. Um, even in a group thread I was in a few nights ago, we can't, you know, the boys are firing up, hoping that you get kind of Samu at twelve, Quaid at ten, and then Curtly at the back. You know, it's really starts to look like a, it really starts to look like a world class backline. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can understand where the clubs are coming from. I think it's disappointing for us as Wallaby fans, particularly with how well they've been going. But you know, I mean, the, we know that avenue is now open. I think it. It bodes well for 2023, even though it's not as great for the tour to the UK. Yeah. But man, I think Dave Rennie's doing an amazing job, and you'll see guys step up. Hopefully, you get uh, Noah Lolo CEO gets an opportunity over there, or yeah. maybe that Chuck KB in at 10. And they're both good options. I think, yeah, uh, Noah I think it'd be good keep... to see him go on the tour. Um, the young fellow from the Brumbies, it'd be good to get him back in there now. Obviously, if Quaid has got a dropout. Um, yeah, just that bit of extra experience. I understand they want to get him a full season of Super Rugby, but he might as well take him now, I think, if um, they're missing another 10. Yeah, well, he's got something good. There's no doubt about that. You know, he, he really had a crack in the... Uh, he really had a crack in those blood slows, but it's a it's a hard place to try and, try yeah. and you know, learn learn how you're going. Yeah, learn and uh, you get thrown in against the All Blacks with a pretty inexperienced side compared to what they've got now, yeah. I guess. That that that's fine. Um, obviously, you played with a lot of those boys back at the Waratahs, mate. Um, has your phone gone at all? You haven't had a, a call that back into the Wallabies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, didn't get any messages. It was good to see Greg Holmes get a gig. You know, yeah. hope for all of us old blokes running around. Uh, you know, and I think a great way 
I think he was retiring after. I don't know if I read that somewhere or I'm making it up, but uh, yeah, I think it's a great way to kind of show, you know, how much he's given back to the game and see see him, uh, you know, see him go up there and perform well against the Argies. You know, it's a, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a kind of a nothing test. You know, Argentina yeah. are renowned for their scrummaging, and their head coach is one of the best scrum coaches in the world. So he's gone up there and done a really good job. It was good to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, throwing it, pulling it back a little bit there, mate. Like we touched on earlier, hundred games for the Waratahs. Um, how do you enjoy your years back playing in Australia before you went overseas? Like, obviously, um, coming from the country, how did how did the journey all start? Uh yeah. So I went to yeah. I uh, started playing when I was nine or ten in Tamworth. Um, you know, it's pretty. Uh, it's, uh, it was a great way to start playing rugby. You'd play Friday night after school. You'd go straight down to um, down to the park and play with your schoolmates. And then Saturdays, rugby league was on. So rugby didn't compete with rugby league in Tamworth um, or in the Northwest. And then Sunday, every second week, there'd be a rugby carnival. So you'd drive anywhere between where you could have one at your home ground. And there'd be one sort of in every town for yeah. however long it was, maybe 10 weeks. Eight or ten, eight or ten rounds, and you just go and play as much footy as you could. So, the smaller towns around around me, places like Crindai, where uh, Sam Carter's from, or Narrabri, or the Inverell, where Alex Newsom's from. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd uh, you'd end up uh, you'd end up having to fill in for those guys, and yeah, it was just good. It was great fun. And then from there, went to Joey's, um, which is uh, you know a really well known rugby school and a great yeah. place great place to be able to go to school was in the same year as KB as Kirtley. Um, so we had, you know, we had a, we had a good group of guys there and that was really fun. And then uh, I went overseas on gap year and uh, no, I put on about 20 kilos and then came back and shed most of it and started playing for Sydney Uni. So yeah. did you play footy uh, overseas or you just did a bit of Kentuckys and a bit of traveling? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was mainly, mainly the latter. I, uh, I played for a, for a, uh, club called Nace which is kind of a little town just outside of Dublin maybe 30 or 40 minutes so a lot of people who, who want to live in the country and commute into work will, will live in a place like Nace um, and we're in a little town right near there so yeah I'd swing in and have a run for them every now and again um, off the bench they were a good team actually they uh, I just played in the under 20s there and they had a pretty good run in the All Island Cup, so it was good fun, mate. It was good. It was good to do something like that. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to see any footage of me running around at that time. I certainly wasn't playing very well. I was, uh, I was pretty, pretty, pretty large. And, uh, yeah, enjoying yourself. Enjoying yourself. Yeah, I was, I was eating too many potatoes and drinking too much Guinness. That's for sure. You, <laughs> yeah, there's a pretty good spot over there for the party life. And then, uh, yeah, you come back, Sydney Uni, played a bit of NRC, I assume, before you got picked up full-time? Well, NRC wasn't around when I was when I was playing. So we used to play when I first started. 2009 was my first year of first grade. So I did a year of Colts. Um, and then, yeah, into first grade the next year. Um, there was a couple of – I was playing second grade for the first half of the year. And then uh, Jeremy Tills, who um, played a lot of the Waratahs, 50 or 60 games. Um, he got injured. Um, and so for the second half of the season, I came up into first grade. Um, Sydney Uni had a really strong team then. Um, so it was 
it was good. It was, it was a great team for me to come into. I was very fortunate in that, you know, all I had to do was uh, my job. And we had a good run into, we were, I think we were fifth or sixth on the ladder. And then we won 13 on the trot, including the final. We played against the Ramwick side um, that was that was stacked, um, you know. And we weren't we weren't just clubbies either. I'm sure you know you, you know about Sydney Uni and the and how we and how we have been fortunate to have a lot of Super Rugby players. But yeah, it was a real it was an absolutely cracking game. And it was actually at the it was at the Sydney Football Stadium 2009 Grand Final. So you had guys like um, Namani Nadolo was playing, and that was before he changed his name. So he had a, he had a different name then. So he would have been to the same age as me. So we've been twenty twenty one. Was that passport um, age or? Yeah, I don't know. Well, but I don't know if you've heard uh, Nem's talk, but he has the most ocker accent. He sounds more Australian than I do, so his passport might be Australian. But yeah, oh, I would have been asking a lot of I would have been asking a lot of questions about him when he was younger. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He he certainly grew up in Queensland. Um, But yeah, (laughs) mate, he was yeah, he was huge. He was huge. One game that season, I think he scored six tries and five of them in the first half. Um, I'm trying to think who else was running around. I know they had Adam Fryer played on, played flanker for them. We had Phil War playing for us, and um, yeah, it was good. It was a good. There was, there was just so many. There was so many players on those teams. So what? What? So um, obviously, I I never grew up in uh, Australia, as you can tell by the accent, and, and didn't get up around the the shoot shield. What's the anything but uni? Why? What's the, is that simply because of the Super Rugby boys that they all get or? Yeah, so that started, um, Eastwood started that in 2000 and I think, I want to say 2011. Um, they had a really good year that year. Um, we'd won, I reckon we might have won five, you know, four or five in a row. And Eastwood had this great team, cap, uh, captained by a guy called Hugh Parrott, who uh, played a played a fair bit of super rugby. And um, Eastwood just had kind of not dissimilar to what we saw with Warringah a few years ago when they really had that really strong supporter base um, that were very vocal. Um, yeah, Eastwood had this really strong supporter base and they turned up to Concord Oval in 2011 and that was that was it. That was the, it was a hashtag um, and uh, yeah, it was anyone but uni. And uh, I think it's, that stuff is just, it's so good. It's the, the tribalism you see at, you know, shoot shield level. It's just... yeah. It's elite, and uh, yeah, uh, and that was it. And they got up that day. They got up an extra time. Yeah, I I can't believe the some of the crowds of the Shoot Shield. I went down. What's the who plays? Is it Manly and the Rats play in the Battle of the Beaches? Is is that that game? Yeah, yeah. Oh, That's and the crowd the down. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. I was like, if I guess, I guess yeah. every weekend I'm moving down. Yeah, <laughs> where were you? Were you at Manly in the Village Green, or were you up at? Nah, yeah, Rats over. Park? Nah, in Manly, yeah. Yeah, mate. Rat Park's a great venue, but Village Green, just like you got all those restaurants, bars straight after. Yeah, be great. That'd be great. I've never, I've never been to, never been to a Battle of the Beaches, but certainly something I'm looking forward to doing in the future. It just looks like be an awesome, awesome yeah. atmosphere. So, what year did you then jump from uni into to full time? Obviously, a bit older as a front rower, or you going in there pretty young? No, I was, well, I was 21 or 22, which was kind of what everyone did at that time. There was one young bloke who, um, Dan Palmer, who's scrum coach of the Brumbies now. He'd kind of been in the system since he was 19, 20. Uh, Jeremy Tillstad as well. I can, yeah, came in at 21, 22. 
um, did a year in the academy where you just, it was called professional academy, they used to call it. They basically had it tiered. So you'd have, so now you'll have your your main squad of 30 or 35 blokes. I'm not sure what it is in Super. And then you'll have like your five EPS guys to extend a player squad. And then you'll just have academy sitting under that. Well, the way they used to tier it was you'd have um, kind of, you'd have your top squad and then you'd have like a professional academy sitting under there. There was none of that EPS. Yeah. Um, or, or if there was, they were kind of sat with the main squad and you'd have these professional academy guys. And basically, preseason was kind of a trial. Like, you either cut the mustard and you would stay with the uh, top squad and train with them most, mostly, particularly on Tuesdays and Thursdays when they wanted to give guys a rest or they needed to bolster the squad. Yeah. And you'd have to work around that. You're getting like maybe 10K, 15K, something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we did it. So I did a year in that in the professional academy um, with a good group of guys. Um, and yeah, and then we went. Then the next year, the Melbourne Rebels came in. So 2000, that was 2010, 2011, the Melbourne Rebels came in. There's a lot of movement within the teams. They're trying to find five or six props to put in their squad. Um, and so, yeah, there was some movement. And uh, Dan Palmer, who was ranked like, Ranked ahead of me at the Tars, then he was contracted. Ended up going to the Brumbies, and I went to. I, I got elevated into the top squad to sit yeah, behind nice. Scopey Kepu and Al Baxter. Yep. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how. That's how it all started. Played, I think I played three games the next year, and um, yeah, and then from there, yeah, played played a few more games after that. So yeah, hundred five caps all in it. Hundred five games. Yeah, I was. Yeah, as Wikipedia's like finest. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I'll take your word for it. I haven't checked. I haven't checked. Matt, I've got to say that I was laughing. Um, people listening wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to see it. But if you go on Instagram and um, the photo that Josh put up of me for like, if you've got any questions, yeah. asking people to ask questions of me, is a photo of my, someone. Someone's got me to sign something and then put it on eBay. I went and had a look for it. <laughs> no, I seen it. I seen it was signed. They put it on eBay. Yeah, didn't they? yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and there's plenty great. of stock as well. So if anyone wants to buy it, I'm, I don't know who's selling it. But uh, yeah, I was blown away because those guys, what they'll do is they'll wait for you at the airport and they'll get everyone to sign and they'll have all these photos of you, like maybe this big. And you just jump on and yeah, and they just ask you to sign like four or five and they'll ask everyone, you know, like whoever you're with. And, um, yeah, they must sell them, dodgy bastards. That's dodgy. Mate, I gotta just pause this two seconds. My dog's going off in the background. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah, no, of course. no problem. Yeah, so um obviously you can turn those photos now into a couple of NFTs, mate, in the next few years, and um <laughs> they'll be going for even more money than the guy who's selling them on eBay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't check the price. We'll see, we'll see. They're still in stock, so yeah. I don't know if many people will be buying them anyway. Um, do you remember where where they were signing them to? No, it just happens kind of everywhere. Oh yeah, they just wait. It's I feel like it's a real, yeah, it's a real U. I feel like it's a real UK thing. Yeah, tight over uh, there. <laughs> yeah, it's the Poms, mate. It's not the Welsh. It's definitely it's the, it's the Poms doing it in London. Yeah, exactly. uh, but yeah, yeah, the Japanese love it as well. Actually, they'll all wait in your hotel when you're over there playing tumbles and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I suppose yeah. some of them are collectors and then some of them are like this guy, you know, they're trying to flog them off. 
Yeah, the worst thing. It was my me me taking the photo and trying to sell it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so obviously then, yeah, um, had a fair few years there. Um, had a couple of caps in between, three caps for the Wallabies. Um, yeah, you remember right, getting yeah. your uh, getting your call up and how all that went? Uh, yeah, well, I remember my call up because uh, the way it used to happen was uh, the team manager would call you. So we had this guy called Chris Webb who's back doing the – he's the general manager of the Wallabies now. Yeah. Anyway, it was the end of the season. must have been 2012. And, um, yeah, we'd, we'd finished the season and we hadn't had a good year at the Tars. Um, so we were on Mad Monday straight before the final started. And we must have done something on the Saturday night. And then on the Sunday, um, yeah, we're down at the Clavelli Hotel and we're all down there having a, having a bunch of beers. And I've gone to the toilet to take a deuce and phone started ringing. It was Webby, didn't pick it up. Then it rang again. Um, and yeah, I was like, fuck, I better pick this up. And uh, yeah, I picked it up. And, and uh, Webby's got like this, uh, I don't know, he's kind of like got this, this really particular voice. He's like, Paddy, how are you, mate? And uh, Love I was it. like, yeah, is everything all right? And he said, oh, you're about to, you're about to get a call from Robbie Deans. Like, okay, well, I'm on the shit out here, Webby. And he said, well, you better get off, mate. So, yeah, so I <laughs> wiped the ass. I washed the hands and, yeah. And, uh, yeah, got a call from Robbie. I tried to go somewhere quiet and tried to sober up as so much as I could. Yeah. And, you always, always dribble. Yeah, I don't think it was actually from, it might have even been from Andrew Blades, who was yeah. the forwards coach at the time. Anyway, I got the call and, yeah, mate, just cloud nine after that. Um, went into camp. What day yeah. did you have to go into camp? I don't think it was that week, or if it was, it was later in the week. Uh, so you, but, you got a couple uh, more days in? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would have tried to squeeze them in if they were available. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm trying to remember. But it's like, uh, I don't know if you've been like wedding or when you win when you win a grand final or you're at a really good wedding where there's heaps of love in the room, it's like you're drinking, but you never really get like, you never really get like really, really drunk. Yeah, you're just yeah. kind of like, you're just enjoying yourself. And so I remember it being a lot like that. I was, I mean, I was young. I, don't, I hadn't played many games. Um, and I think I was a bit left field, uh, left field selection. And yeah. And so it was, yeah, I was, yeah, genuinely genuinely uh shocked and pumped so yeah it was awesome it was awesome and then yeah sticking with the ties obviously over those the period of years was there any years that you got a title or came close because obviously you had a few stars there. yeah we won it in 14 so 2014 was part of the checky years and that was that was a really special time um Probably should have. I mean, we should have given it a good shake in 2015, and we did. We got to the uh, we got to the semi-finals or the conference or whatever they were yeah. uh, back in 2015, and got done by the Highlanders, which um, wouldn't have had much significance to me. Um, the fact that it was the Highlanders, if there hadn't have been bloody four or five of the bastards playing at my team in Japan, who every time we got on the beers <laughs> loved to remind me about the time they. They turned the big tars around. That's what they. That's what they. That was their game plan that day. They had Tony Brown in our coaches Japan, and uh, yeah, that was their game plan. Just turn the big boys around, try and get Skelton and Parler and 
try and get them walking because they're sick of sick of chasing kicks back and yeah, it worked for them. So yeah, we had a couple of good years there. Fourteen was was an amazing run. Um, really enjoyed working under Czech and um, I enjoyed the way he was he coached. He's a polarizing guy, but I, I particularly enjoyed him. And it's just a really special time. Like you know yourself when you get on a good run with a team, a good role. It's just yeah, yeah. It's happy days, man. Everything's yeah. good. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and um, yeah, I guess it came full circle there, mate. Um, obviously, um, had got your caps, played a few more years at the Tars, and then two thousand and eighteen, headed to Japan. Uh, but one thing we I just touch on quickly was obviously in between stints, you played over in the MLR, San Diego. Yeah, how was yeah, that experience? Mate, it was yeah. Yeah, it's one of the best things I've ever done for my footy career, I reckon. I, uh, 2018, I, uh, I was a bit, I was a bit dejected, a bit sad, you know, like I'd stayed in Australia. I'd never really thought about going overseas because, uh, you know, I wanted more Wallaby, I wanted more Wallaby caps, I wanted more success at the Tars. You know, I grew up being a Tars fan. I was really proud to play for them. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the opportunity kind of came to go to the MLR and um, that actually came before the Japan opportunity came up. So I'd signed the contract and then went to Japan. And because of the World Cup that year, there was no, there was no top league at the, in 2019. Yeah. So Japan, the Japan, the way Japan, the Japan thing worked, I was able to, I was still able to fulfill my commitment to, uh, to go to San Diego and mate, I couldn't, couldn't speak more highly of the MLR as a whole. I couldn't speak more highly of San Diego. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And we're, uh, yeah, we had a good, we had a pretty good run there. We, we botched the final a little bit, lost after the belt to a rolling mall. Um, we're up by four, but other than that, it was, who did you lose yeah, today? Yeah. It was especially Seattle. Yeah, yeah. So they had, they had a couple of, that one Aussie, that Tim Metro was there. Guys to play at the Rebels and uh, yeah, so yeah, it was that was good. America's it's yeah, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. I said you've had Meeks here on talking about it and yeah, uh, the competition's really taken a few steps forward in what could have been really could have sunk it. You know, like it would have been. I'm sure there's been times when with all this COVID shit that that really could have gone either way. And mm. I'm sure there's some owners over there that are just leaking cash trying to keep everything afloat, but. Yeah, they've managed to pull through, and it's it's a it's a special competition. It's cool. Yeah, right. oh, look, yeah, like obviously the Guillotines, you, you know, they've got a few superstars over there at the moment. Um, one of the my old housemates that I used to play with in Canada, he's captain for the rugby ATL that played them in the final, and you know, like they, it's it's just a comp. Every time you speak to them, it's going to grow now. I think who did um they signed who did they sign this morning? You see that? Um, the uh, Guillotines have just picked up Willie Chambers. Will Chambers, so. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, imagine yep. the uh, imagine the talk he's the chirp he's going to be given on the field over in America now. They don't know that the Americans will be able to handle handle that, mate. They don't like it. They don't like a bit of chirp. Um, I'm I'm uh, yeah. I mean the guys, the Aussie guys that get over there and like getting stuck into each other. Um, yeah, it's funny the Americans. They're not like I don't know if it's rugby or. I'm assuming guys in the NFL and NBA chirp. I mean, you see the stuff on Instagram. It looks like a lot of them do, but yeah. in terms of the rugby stuff, a lot of them, a lot of them don't. Um, 
But yeah, it's funny. It's it's funny the Aussie boys get stuck right into it, but Willie will take that to a new level. I'm, oh yeah, I don't know him. I don't know him. I've never played against him, but yeah, I'm just, I just, yeah, I'm just, I've just, just heard what he says on the TV, and that's enough. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. It'll be good for the competition. Um, yeah, so they're good, and they they are good for the competition. You know the uh, the yeah the Giltinis are good. They're uh, they're making it stronger. Yeah. So they've done yeah. really well. And I think obviously them, they're, they're a talking point over here because of who they've got playing. But you look how quickly the rugby's growing there. At, like America's going to get it getting stronger. Canada are probably going on a bit of a backward step at the moment, in all honesty. But um, I'm sure rugby over there, five, six, seven years, mate, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be flying. Yeah. I mean, it's disappointing to see kind of what's happened to yeah what happened to Canada in terms of missing out on the on the World Cup it's uh that is really disappointing to see because you'd think they've come a long way with what's going on with Toronto and um and all that jazz but I I, I think they'll you know they'll, they'll they'll get stronger I think it's been a really hard year for those Canadian guys because with the MLR the way it was structured they're actually staying in Atlanta yeah um, sharing the hotel with them they, yeah, they were saying, yeah, they'd share the hotel with teams that came in. And that's, yeah, that's kind of the side of the MLR that we don't see on Instagram is the, you know, it is run on a shoestring. It doesn't have the same budget as a lot of the other big competitions. So yeah. where the owners are cutting costs, you know, like it can be quite tough for the players. And I think for the guys who are Canadian, being based in a place like Atlanta, which is, you know, it's a nice enough city to go to. But if you were going to rank, rank where you'd want to be living, yeah. On that MLR, on that MLR kind of uh, ladder, like on on who plays in the competition, what city you'd want to live in. Atlanta wouldn't be too high. No. It's very muggy. It's hot. It's not great in summer. And a lot of the competition was played then this year because of because of COVID. So I think I think that would have had a bit of an impact on their team. And yeah, that's yeah, how it's all yeah. Gone, it's definitely on a on a on like a, I know it's obviously a couple of boys that play out there, and the budget to year are completely different uh, for everybody. So few sponsorship mm. deals and stuff I think would be going on. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you were saying that you, when you started at the Waratahs, you know, you, you're a youngster, 15 grand, that's a year, do you know I mean? Like, and you look at it now, you're playing in Japan while getting 15, 20 grand a week, tw- a day, or? <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, that is paying me in ramen and asahi over there. That's all I need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to get that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously, yeah. mate. Um, well, I don't get any F 45s There's no F forty five down in Monacasa, so it's going well. But once it's done, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there any um? Have you got a plan on how long you you want to stay out in Japan, or else do you want to venture elsewhere? Or it'd be a pretty good lifestyle over there. Eh? Uh yeah. I mean, it is good. It's it's full where I am. It's full immersion. So uh, you're right into the Japanese culture, and that's great. I'm at a like. It's a great club in terms of, you know, supportive company, um, great guys at the club. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to like about the place. Um, I think, you know, being realistic, I would have always loved to have gone to somewhere like France or uh, England or Italy, and um, you know, it just didn't, it didn't eventuate that way. Um, but I think it'd be hard. It seems hard. Or you know, for a prop to go from playing in somewhere like Japan to somewhere somewhere like France, um, you don't hear of it happening too often. So 
um, yeah, I reckon I'll probably, I'll probably, probably, uh, yeah, ride it out in Japan and hopefully get back to the MLR as well, which is where I really enjoy playing. Yeah, yeah, I'm just there we go, mate. Keep it going as long as I can. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm doing lots of yoga and lots of Pilates to try and keep the dream alive because uh, I'm really enjoying playing my footy. Yeah, but no, it, uh, yeah. it still takes its toll on the old body, that's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. And obviously, um, off the field, then, mate. Um, like you said, you still got a, a fair bit um, going on, but you do do a lot off the field. Obviously, people that listen to this podcast. Um, we do talk, try and talk, obviously, as much footy as we can, but or you do away from there, and and you're doing a fair bit. Um, obviously, we've talked about it. Um, working for is it TR Seven? The and obviously, you do a fair bit for a mental health charity as well. And since you've been in Sydney, you've been doing the one-on-one coaching. Start with the one-on-one coaching. Is that just obviously not to, you know, to fill in a bit of time while in Sydney and give that give that help to the youngsters that need it, or how did that come around? Yeah, well, I was just that I was honestly I was bored during Sydney lockdown. Uh, my partner is doing a physio masters and working, so she was flat out. So I was doing the domestic duties, you know, cooking, cleaning. Yeah. Uh, making sure our lunch was packed and stuff like that, which I was enjoying. <laughs> but outside of that, there wasn't a lot going on. So I was doing a bit of uni and stuff last year, but I wasn't doing any at the time this year because I uh, just hadn't enrolled for the semester's work um, while I was over in Japan, uh, in, in America rather. And uh, yeah, and so Matt, I was bored shitless and she said, right, yeah, well, come on, let's do something about it. So I did a bit of one-on-one stuff. It did, I mean, it was pretty limited in terms of, uh, it was pretty limited in terms of what we could do with the COVID regulations and everything. But uh, yeah, look, coaching something I love. It's that's, Something you want to get into you know, down, the, down the line? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll always coach. I'll certainly always be involved with the game. The game's given me so much. So I'll always be um, more than happy or, you know, well, I love it as well. Like it's, yeah. you know, I, I bloody love rugby. So I'll always be involved in some capacity. Um, I don't think I could see myself in terms of career progression. I don't know if I could do coaching. I don't know. If, I don't know how conducive it is to family. You know, like to a family lifestyle. You look at coaches in all sports all around the world. There's very few that are like Craig Bellamy or Bill Belichick who would just end up in the same town. For an extended yeah. period of time, there's a lot of moving around, a lot of pack, picking your family up and yeah. moving them on, you know, kids and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that'll be me, but wait and see. Uh, but yeah, I love I love coaching. And I love giving back to the game. So it's been good. It's been good. It's good to stay involved. It's good to stay connected in the in the Sydney rugby community. It's a great. It's a great. It's a great little community. Yeah, and um, and and the work side of things. TR Seven is. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, there's a yes, yeah, so there's a company in China. Basically, there's a company in China that uh, a few friends of mine started up and it's uh yeah, it's uh it's like an e-commerce company. So over there you can't um it's really hard to get boots. It's hard to bring anything into China um that hasn't been made there. Yeah. But you can't get it's really hard to get rugby boots there. So what these guys have done is they've realized that there's a lot of people playing rugby in China. It's hard for them to get good quality boots, um, so they've started this little this little website, um, tr7.store, and off that they can sell. You know, they're kind of selling Asics and Xblades, Concave, and good quality boots yeah, nice. into Hong Kong and China. 
Um, so with them, it's just a bit of do a bit of. I went over there coaching in 2019, 2019, and I'll go back once everything settles down. Um, and yeah, mate, it's good. It's it's a you know it's such a it's such a it's crazy. I think there's like eighty thousand people playing rugby in China, which is a lot compared to places like here. But over there, it's a blip. You know, it doesn't mean anything. So yeah, it's got it's a really good rugby community and. I'm, I've been doing a bit of stuff online and yeah, just trying to trying to help out and stay busy. It's it's, yeah. uh, it's good. What what are the, what are the brands? What brands are all the clubs wear over there? Like in the in the top cup few leagues, they all I'm assuming like Japanese, but they probably don't even have the brands over there, do they? They just get it all made and away it goes. Well, that's the thing in China is like. Uh, you don't know, like, I mean, you don't know what's, there's a lot of stuff that's, I mean, I don't think a team would wear fully kitted out fake jerseys, but. Uh, no, nah, like I'm just saying, it. like in China or even Japan, I was referring to, sorry, like, um, like there's probably not so much like Canterbury's or Paladins or Goosey Sports. Um, uh, mate, I think they need to get Goosey in Japan. They need a bit of quality stuff like that. But uh, there's none there at the moment. Maybe in the future, maybe Monokata. Maybe the Senex Blues can get into it. Uh, we wear Canterbury. The, Jap- the Japanese are funny. They like they, you know, they really value that the kind of the um, the brands that are well respected, like Canterbury. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll uh, yeah they'll get it, they'll get they'll get right around it. So there's a lot of Canterbury Adidas is worn. Uh, Adidas worn by Suntory. So yeah. No. Um, what other ones are there? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot, you know, there's a lot. They're, they're all the big brands are in Japan. I don't know. What, what, I mean, we stopped Tura in uh, in China. Um, that's the one that the boys have got there. So, yeah, nice. That's, yeah. I suppose that's so, what people are wearing. Yeah, interesting. Um, and lastly, mate, um, something that I do enjoy talking about, I see you do a fair bit for a mental health charity. Um, what's the name of the charity? I'll pronounce it wrong otherwise. <laughs> yeah, but here, so... Yeah, I was, um, I was yeah, going to be Batir's miles off. <laughs> yeah, it is funny with the Y at the end. So Batir's the name. It's the name of a, an elephant in Afghanistan that they that could talk. And so basically that's the whole premise of the charity is they're talking elephant, talking about the elephant in the room. Yeah, wow. Talking about mental health. Um, and it was started in 2012 by, uh, by a guy that's now my friend, Seb Robertson. And... Yeah, it's a, it's a great charity. Basically, um, you know, it's built around telling stories and kind of people sharing their stories of their of their mental health journey. Um, and yeah, you know, and how they've combated mental illness. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really cool little, it's a really cool little charity. Well, it's not so little anymore, actually. They've got, there's a bunch of employees in there. I don't even know how many, but there's plenty of them. And, um, and basically they go around to schools and universities and just tell and get and have people tell their story and do programs about you know the importance of being able to talk and seek help and you know it's a market that um in terms of that that that, that part of the charity market there's there's a lot of players in there but these guys are doing something a little bit different and uh yeah that's why i love love working with them and um yeah it's good to see them. they've got some good partnerships now you know they're partnered up with uh with the waratahs and yeah. Um, they do a lot of stuff with universities, so it's good. It's a good charity, and it's, I'm really proud to be involved with them. Yeah, so is it just Australia based at the moment, or yeah, and they just cover a lot of regional areas, or pretty much everywhere in Australia? 
so they just, I think they're, they're definitely, I mean, it's Sydney. It started in Sydney. Um, so they've got a big, they've got a big Canberra presence. Um, so they've been doing stuff with ANU almost since the inception because that's where Seb, the founder, went to university. Yeah. I think they've got stuff in Adelaide and Brisbane as well. Um, yeah. The last time I spoke to them about it. So yeah, uh, I know COVID's been particularly tough for them. So if, mm. uh, yeah, if anyone could support them in any way, get around them, it'd be, I'm sure they'd really appreciate it. Even just a bit of bit of love on socials because uh, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. It's tough for charities at this time, particularly ones that their whole premise is kind of based off face-to-face interaction. Yeah. hundred percent, man. It's, um, it's something that, um, I yeah I, I now enjoy talking about you know you, you I guess as many years ago it it was the elephant in the room and no one really talked about it and I think the way the game's going um it's really impressive how it's um it's slowly changing did you have much yeah do you have much involvement with like do the clubs have much for the players now like the last few years from a professional well, it's not something that'd be uh it's not something that'd be too concerned with in Japan, you know, they're a little bit old school with that kind of stuff. But yeah. I think even by the time I left the TARS, you know, there was certainly a different approach to it. I think the the issue we're having now is, I don't know how well you followed what's going on with Ben Simmons and the 76ers, is that you have guys that could be, now, I mean, you can't, you can't speculate because it's people, someone's mental health, right? But it's not inconvenient. It's convenient for him to not be to not be playing at the moment, and he's also, you know, cited mental health reasons. I mean, they're the kind of people. They're the kind of things. If it's not true, if it's not true, they're the kind of people that are going to be that are taking the piss. That are going to actually undermine someone who's really struggling, trying to yeah. take a break. You know, I think yeah. that's that's the issue. Yeah, I, I haven't followed that story. What, what's 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 the go there? Like, what's? Uh, he's, he's trying. This bloke's trying to get traded. He's an Aussie American guy called Ben Simmons. He plays at seventy six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paid, no, sorry, yeah. They've paid him paid him overs in a contract, which he's now trying to get traded. They don't want to trade him because they can't get their value back. And yeah, yeah. so yeah, so it's he's, hard, trying, isn't to, it? he's like, trying not to play. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, everyone. Like with so much positive stuff happening, it only takes one big name to 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 bring it back to square one, kind of thing. Yeah, well, it just undermines it. I mean, there's good stories as well. You see, Ben Stokes is, um, you know, he's had issues with um, with mental health. Uh, ben Stokes, the English cricketer, and then the other yeah. guy in Australia who's been who I've been really impressed by is a guy called Will Pukowski, who is a cricketer who's young, has played a couple of tests. He's a bit of a golden child, but he's had issues with it, which I think are linked to concussions that have come from being hit in the head with cricket ball. Um, and you've got him kind of him citing it as well, and it actually influencing him and him calling it out rather than being a young guy trying to prove himself to the older guys. Yeah, he's really looking after himself and he's himself and his mental well-being, and I think that's you know that's really impressive as well. So there are plenty of good stories around. It's just yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They're taking a piss. Yeah, and um, I, like we'll we'll finish up here, going on things they're doing, getting done really well in the mental health space. Um, I don't know if you know Lloyd Ashley. He is the um second row for the Ospreys. Um, been playing in and around Wales for years now, and he's got um, some uh, his own mental health charity, which is called Living Well with Lloyd Ashley. Um, and he gets a lot of things done with over in Wales. Um. And he does a, a thing called Four Questions Living well, with Lloyd Ashley. 
And I'd um, just like to ask you them uh, to finish it off. And I think that'll be a good note. So first question um, is a career highlight. Career highlight would be 2014 Premiership with the Waratahs and uh, and the three days that followed. <laughs> um, why is it important to talk about mental health? Well, it's important to to see how people are and to see how they're going. And I think mental health is a, is, is one aspect of that. There's other things going on with people. But I think it's just important to check in on people you love and care about. So... Yeah, I think it's important, particularly it can be hard for guys to really talk about their feelings. You know, we like taking the piss out of each other a lot of the time and that is, you know, that is a lot of fun, but yes. it's, uh, it's, it's important to make sure everyone's going okay. That's right. That's right. right. Finding the balance. Um, question three, um, do you think mental health is as important as physical health? Yeah, 100%. In some cases, it's more important. You know, I think there's plenty of guys that we've all seen you know, well, this is rugby, rugby focused podcast. There's plenty of rugby players you've seen have the physical capability and then have had, you know, uh, challenges with being able to, you know, keep everything together off the field and stay balanced and, you know, and live, live, live a good life to be able to fulfill their potential. And I think you can see things, yeah, you can see the impact and the importance of mental well being and being a good person and, um, and all that stuff is is so connected to 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 how you live your life. Uh, so yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, last question, mate. Um, what do you do personally to look after your own well being? Uh, well, I think the biggest one for me is um, is trying to make sure a good good balanced life, making sure I'm trying to. Uh, you know, do things off the footy field and, and then make sure that that'll help me perform on it. And then checking in with uh, with all my loved ones and stuff like that. But the biggest the biggest one I probably that's different to what a lot of other people would do is gotta get gotta get in the ocean. Um, so for me that could be swimming yeah, try to swim regularly. So it can be hard in, in Japan when it's snowing, but uh, yeah, every now and again if you're feeling a bit flat and it's the depth of winter over there. Well, uh, yeah, go jump in the ocean and just try and reset it. I'm not not into the Wim Hof stuff or the cold, the, yeah, cold, yeah. the cold and the breathing, but yeah, love getting in the ocean. So every day, every day here in Sydney, I'm in the in the in the salt, and then yeah, which is the local beach, uh, Bondi. I'm, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's a long way from Tamworth. It's a bit different to uh, <laughs> it's a bit different to the Peel River, but uh, yeah. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, Q and A. Um, just had just had one personal message when I put the Q and A there. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this actually. Um, we it was about two years ago that we played against each other. Um, Toothies Tens first game. Um, <laughs> it, it, we we had a, a fair big we had a big night. Um, we turned up. You're playing for the Galloways, Angus's team. Yeah. And and um, we'd had a fair few beers, and we turned up. We were playing against you. Who else was in there? The McCutcheon boys, Stanaford. Yeah. Um, Tom Carter, Dean Mum, and um, yeah. a couple of boys rocked up from Parks, and I always remember it actually because um, when we kicked off, we said no running. So we, we started walking with the ball. It went about two passes and Tom Carter just came in and absolutely walloped one of the boys. 
absolutely not. Oh, it was funny. It was funny. We, we, it was a good day. But um, our prop said, um, just remind him, um, when we went to the first scrum, and he asked, did I want to fold in? I just want to know, was he scared or was he just being nice? Scared <laughs> shitless. What's yeah. the prop's name? <laughs> Dave Nichols. Yeah, no, I'd heard about Dave. I'd heard about Dave, and I'd heard about uh, yeah, what what he'd done out there at Parks and in that in that Central West competition. Uh, yeah, I got a call from Matt Tink out in Orange, and he said, "Mate, you don't want to be scrumming against Dave Nichols. You just want to be rolling in. You don't want to get folded by him at toothy tens in front of everyone." So that was why we went that way. But mate, that was a great. That was great. That was a great tournament. That's a great. That was good. I was, that's a great yeah. exhibition of rugby. It's um, it's obviously meant to be in two weeks now over in Orange, and obviously it's been pushed back to March. And yeah. I um, I shortened the honeymoon to come back and play, and 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 it's called oh, off. No. So. Oh no! Hopefully, the, um, that was hopefully fun. the, the that missus was... is listening, and um, she doesn't know. I just said, "Oh, we'll stay for an extra couple of days." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh that's the way to do it. We uh, that was funny because we had those we had those players there, you know, and they were um, you don't want to be, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hit anyone that's been like you guys, been out on the source all night, and you know, because you'd hate that to happen to you, but you also don't want to be embarrassed. So it's a, it's a very fine line. It's it's funny that you brought that up because someone else this week was asking you about that. And, yeah, uh, no, it yeah. was good. It was good. It was good. It was because a lot of the obviously the Central West boys were playing. In your side as yeah. well. I mean, there's a few Parks boys, Bathurst boys in there, and um, yeah, yeah, big Gus Bus. He absolutely loved it. Yeah, you know, he would have, he, he, he would have, he would have won it if he would have won it. Anyway, we we made a decision. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about a couple who, of who old, did who did you lose to in the final? No, I think we lost the semi final. Um, I couldn't remember who it was. They were uh, was it East or did did you? Say... No, nah, we didn't play East. We didn't play East, um, but I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I can't remember. They had a couple of they had a couple of hot foot, like a couple of guys with hot feet. Yeah, just yeah. No, it was a good good comp. Um, I'm looking forward to it in yeah. uh, February or March, whenever it is. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. I, I made the cut for the Galloways this year, so we may lace the boots together. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Well, I don't know if I'll be back in February or March. Oh but yeah, true. Playing for the Galloways again, but uh, yeah, sweet. Maybe if. Uh, yeah, it'd be it'd probably better for you to play on Tommy Carter's game by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a me wallop, luckily. <laughs> yeah. Big Ben Evans yeah, as well, well. He's playing. He's a good bloke. Yeah, he's a great bloke. He's a great bloke. One of the great Welshmen. Exactly, mate. It's in our blood. Now, mate, we'll finish you there. <laughs> um, it's a good good yeah. note to finish on. Uh, really appreciate your time. Really enjoyed that chat. And yeah, um, we'll we'll get, I'm sure we'll cross paths soon. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Love what you're doing with the pod, mate. Well done.